15th chapter of the first book of the Bible. On Sunday night, we're in a sermon series looking at the patriarchs. We're beginning with Abraham, going to continue with Isaac, then we'll go to Jacob, and then we'll finish with Joseph. It'll probably be a series that will last through this year and partly into next year, as we have other things on the agenda on Sunday night as well. But tonight, Genesis 15. I would encourage you to read the story of Abraham as presented in the Bible. It's obvious that I do not have time to read all of the verses and all the chapters that we're looking at. So you're having, I'm having to assume that you understand some of the story. Trying to fill in as much as I can where you may not. But it would be very, very helpful if you would start reading about the life of Abraham and that way you'll be prepared for some of the things you'll hear each Sunday night. The title of our message is Dealing with Fear. Dealing with Fear. Genesis 15, verse 1. After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abraham. The word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision. And God spoke to him and said, Fear not, Abraham. I am thy shield, interesting, I am thy shield, and thy exceeding great reward. As we go into Genesis 15, all looks well for Abraham. All looks well for Abraham. The coalition of kings have been defeated. Abraham's a war hero, as we talked about last week. He's as high as you can go on the popularity pole of his day. His nephew Lot has been rescued. Lot has been not only rescued, but all of his servants and all of his possessions have been returned to him. Abraham is now back home with his family. There's no place like home. But outward appearances can be deceiving. Can they not? If I look at you right now, you look like you're all doing well. You got smiles on your face. If I ask you how you're doing, you say, oh, I'm doing great, Pastor. But the truth of the matter is, outward appearances can be deceiving. Because underneath that smiling face could be a broken heart. Behind those words, all is well. Your life could be falling apart. That's the way it is for Abraham. Everything looks so calm around Abraham. But everything inside of Abraham is not good. Like a home that appears to be strong and solid... But a careful look on the inside of that home, it's collapsing from termites. On the outside, Abraham looks so cool, calm, and collected. But on the inside, he's collapsing. Collapsing from what? Fear. What's happened to Abraham to cause him to have this fear attack? 
Why is Abraham all of a sudden engulfed, consumed, overwhelmed by fear? So much, in fact, that God has to speak to him and say to him, fear not. I want to talk to you about two things tonight. The first is the challenge of fear. The challenge of fear. Because remember, this is not just a story about Abraham. It's a story about you. It's a story about me. It's not just a story of past tense. It's a story of present tense. It's not just a story about a man who lived many, many years ago who battled with fear. It's our story tonight. And our battles with fear. You say, Pastor, I've never been afraid of anything. If you live long enough, you will. The challenge of fear. In verse 1, the Lord came unto Abraham. And the first thing the Lord says to him immediately, out of the box, out of the block, is what? Fear not. You see, God knows us better than we know ourselves. He designed us and He created us. So when we're out of sync, or we're breaking down, or we're consumed with something that, that's negative, God knows it. Our Lord looks at Abraham, and He sees a man that is filled with fear. Fear is consuming this great man of God. Fear is consuming this future Hall of Famer for God. Fear is consuming this all-star for God. Why do I emphasize that to you? Because somehow we get the impression that if somebody's great for God or a Hall of Famer for God or an all-star for God, that they don't, they're not like the rest of us. Truth of the matter is, we're all the same. We're all made of clay. And we're all brittle and fragile and vulnerable to breaking. And Abraham was too. Why is Abraham afraid? Why is it he so afraid that God sees fit to speak to him specifically on that matter. Why is he afraid? I think if we read Genesis 15 and following, we'll see that he's afraid, first of all, because he fears the kings are going to return. He just defeated these kings in battle, by the way. He has scattered them. He's put them on the run. But the more he thinks the more afraid he gets because he believes these kings are going to come back together. They're going to reform their coalition, their alliance, their access of evil, if you will. And they're going to come after him again. And this time, maybe God won't be with him. Though God was with him the first time, maybe God won't be with him the second time. And he's going to die. We forget what God has done in the past so often, don't we? And it causes us to have fear in the present. 
So Abraham fears the kings, the return of the kings. He also fears God. You say, Pastor, why would he fear God? He doesn't fear fear the person of God. He fears the promises that God made to him are not going to come true. You remember God made Abraham two promises? Maybe more, but at least these two. God said, Abraham, I am calling you to worship me and to serve me. I am going to give you a land. I am going to give you a land that geographically will stretch across the Middle East. It is going to be called the promised land. And from that land, I am going to bring forth a nation. I'm going to bring forth the people for my glory. And we know that that nation would be Israel. And the people would be the Hebrew people. And Abraham, you're going to be the father of it all. And I'm going to give you the land from which everything's going to originate. That's what God promised to Abraham. And the years have went by. And Abraham doesn't see it. You see, Abraham's like some of us. He, when, when God says something, we say, okay, <laughs> right now, bring it on. God is in no hurry. God is in no rush. He never is. He's always been. He'll always be. And when God says he's going to do something, it doesn't mean he's going to do it today or tomorrow, next week or next month. It might be years down the road before God pulls the trigger on it, makes it happen. Because God is not just working in the promises he makes to us. God is working in a lot of different things at one time. And when everything is right, God moves. But all Abraham has seen so far is heat, flies, and sand. (laughs) Where's the promised land? Maybe God's forgotten. And he's afraid. He's also afraid because God promised him what? A son. A son from which all of these promises would go forth. Not a stepson. A son. Not a daughter. A son. Not a niece or a nephew, but a son. God said, Abraham, I'm going to give you a boy. And from that boy is going to come all of the promises that I have given to you. Well, there's a problem, ladies. Sarah can't have children. She's barren. Has been for a while. It's a problem, men. Abraham's impotent. He can't have children. How is God going to do this? Maybe he's not. Maybe this is just too hard for God. Maybe it's just too much to ask of God to put a baby in a barren womb and give Abraham the ability to procreate that child. So you see, Abraham has some fears. Now we might sit here and snicker and say, that, that, that's nothing to be afraid of, but it was for Abraham. And if I asked you to tell your prayers, 
fears we might snicker too because other people might say yours aren't such a big deal either. Fears come in many different sizes and shapes and slants and sizes and all of us have them. What you're afraid of, I might not be afraid of. What I'm afraid of, you may not be afraid of. But Abraham's afraid that there's going to be no promised land and there's going to be no son. And those fears are torturing him as he thinks about them. Billy Graham said, fear is public enemy number one in the lives of most Christians. The prestigious Mayo Clinic says that 50% of all hospitalized patients are dealing not only with a medical condition, but a medical condition brought on by debilitating fear. In other words, fear can make you sick or, or magnify your sickness. Vance Havner said, fear will not send you to hell, but it'll send you to heaven early. Because fear breaks down the body. It's destructive to the body. It can cause a premature death if you're not careful. Some of us are like the little boy who said, I don't believe in ghosts, but I'm afraid of them. When President Roosevelt said, we have nothing to fear but fear itself, he was so true. Because some of us tonight are like Abraham. We're afraid of things that we believe are going to happen or not happen in the future. And those fears of what if tomorrow consume us today. Do you know the fear of cancer harms more people than the disease of cancer? The fear of failure claims more victims than the actual failures themselves. The fear of what ifs wreck more people's lives than what happens. Satan is so clever, he induces fear in us. He allows the fear to do to us what he cannot do, and that's destroy us. All the water in the world however hard it tried, could never, never sink a ship unless it got inside. All the fears of this world might wear you pretty thin, but they won't hurt you one least bit unless you let them in. Fear is always knocking problem comes when we open the door and let it in. Now, how did Abraham go from a mountaintop experience of faith to the valley of fear so quickly? Did he just wake up one morning <laughs> and be paralyzed by this fear of no promised land? No son, this coalition of kings are coming after me. They're going to capture me. They're going to kill me. What happened?
How does fear come into the lives of those who are children of God? How did it come into the life of Abraham? Well, I think there's three things we can learn from just glancing at the life of Abraham that might help us. First of all, Abraham's life up to Genesis chapter 15 has been one of change. Every single day of every single week of every single month of every single year, from the time that God has called Abraham until Genesis 15, Abraham's life has been filled with change. No stability, no routine, no schedule. Everything is constantly changing from day to day, week to week, month to month, year to year. Now, some of you might say, I like change. I'm telling you, you might like change, but change is not good for people. Children thrive in a home where there's continuity, stability, security, a routine. When you change a child's schedule, you mess them up. When you change the schedule of adults, you mess them up. God created us to be creatures of habit. For a reason, we function better when things are pretty consistent in our lives. And when a lot of change comes, for whatever reasons, whether it be our fault or not our fault, it opens up an avenue for fear. Because change means uncertainty. And uncertainty allows fear to come in. So Abraham has been battling with this continual change. Also, continual activity. Abraham was the original go-go dancer. He wasn't a dancer, but he was go, go, go. His life was 24-7 wide open. I mean, the responsibilities that he had on his shoulders were immense. He had responsibilities for his own person. He had responsibilities for his own family. He had responsibilities for his extended family. He had responsibilities for all of those that are following him. As the Lord leads. And people drain from you. And Abraham is drained out from activity. He's trying to cram 36 hours into a 24-hour day. Do you know what that's like? Some of you try that too. And in all of that activity... He's drained mentally, emotionally, physically, and spiritually. All of this is coming together for a perfect storm. Continual change, continual go, go, go activity, continual neglect. Think about it. When your life is in turmoil, always changing. When your life is filled with things to do. Places to go, people to see, things to do. That's your life. And it's non-stop. 
Where do you have time to be with the Lord? Satan's smart. He'll just fill our lives with good things to keep us from the best thing. He'll just keep our lives in upheaval. Therefore, all we can do is say, God is great, God is good, let him thank us for our food. Satan will do everything he can. This world will do everything it can. Our flesh will do everything it can to keep us from spending time with God. The power of the Christian life is found on your knees, ladies and gentlemen. And Abraham doesn't have time to pray. He doesn't have time to spend with God. Oh, he does a little quickie prayer going from here to here. But he doesn't have time to have a meaningful time with God. He pushes it out. He puts it off. He sets it aside because his life is too busy for Abraham, just like it is for us. And all of this comes together in Genesis 15. Change, activity, neglect, and now the fear is there. Now let's talk about, as we move to closing, the conquest of that fear. How is Abraham going to deal with it? Because remember, if this fear stays inside of him, it is going to destroy him. He's got to do something with it. And God knows that. Look at verse 1 again. God speaking to him. By the way, you know God loves you and I just as much as he loved Abraham. And God is our designer and creator, just like he was that of Abraham. And God has a plan and purpose for our life, just like he did for Abraham. And God sees when we're breaking down. Nobody else can see it, but God sees it. And so God steps into Abraham's life in verse 1. After these things... The word of the Lord came to Abraham. Abraham came to the Lord? No. The Lord came to Abraham. Think about that. The Lord came to Abraham. The sovereign came to his servant. The master came to his slave. The father came to his son. God always takes the initiative. Do you understand that? When I would not come to where Jesus was, what? He came to me. God comes to Abraham, and notice what he says. He says, fear not, Abraham. Immediately, first thing out, fear not, Abraham. I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. God is always on time. He's seldom early. He's never late. But he's always on time. And he sees Abraham is headed for a collapse. And so God now comes to Abraham. And he says, fear not. It's interesting. That's the same thing he said to Moses. Did he not at the Red Sea? 
Moses, don't be afraid, fear not. It's the same thing the angel said to the shepherds on the first Christmas day, fear not. It's the same thing Jesus told his disciples so many times in the earthly life of Jesus and them. He said, fear not. In fact, somebody has figured it up that there's 365 fear not type references in the Bible. Do you think that's coincidental or accidental? You say, Pastor, what are you talking about? There's 365 days in the year. One fear not for every day of our lives, every year. The God who said fear not yesterday says fear not today. He'll say fear not tomorrow. The God who said fear not in January, he'll say fear not in February, in March. The God who said fear not in 2018, he'll say fear not in 2019. Fear not. And he's constantly saying it to his servants, his people, over and over again. He says, fear not. What can we do to overcome fear? Notice what the Lord says to Abraham. He first of all reminds him that he is Abraham's shield. I am thy shield. Remember I am? That's the name for God. Whenever you see I am in the Bible, that is a reference of God. Moses said to the Lord, I'm going to go to Pharaoh. Who am I supposed to say to Pharaoh sends me? And God said, you tell Pharaoh, I am that I am sends you. In the book of John, Jesus is called many things. He's called the light of the world. He's called the life of the world. He's called the bread of life. He's called the water of life. And Jesus always identifies himself with I am. I am the God of light. I am the God of life. I'm the God of bread. And if you eat of me, you'll never hunger again. I'm the God of water. You drink of me, you'll never thirst again. I am God, said Jesus. That's why they wanted to get rid of him. They didn't want God messing with their religion. And neither do we sometimes. God says to Abraham, I am your shield. I wonder what he's saying when he says that. In Ephesians, the Apostle Paul talks about the armor of God. And he talks about one of those pieces of armor being, you help me out now, the shield of what? Faith. Every well-dressed Christian soldier should carry with him or her the shield of faith. Now, what is the shield of faith? Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. God gives faith. We exercise faith, but we grow our faith by spending time in the Bible, which is a faith book. That's why it's important that we know the Bible, quote the Bible, and believe the Bible, and live the Bible. 
because it's a shield of faith. And God says to Abraham, I am your shield. I am the one that you are to put your faith in. I'm the one who speaks through the scriptures to you. I am God. And Abraham, pay attention. Abraham, what I told you, I'm going to do. Put your faith up. Put the shield up. I told you I'm giving you a promised land. I will deliver. I told you I'm giving you a son. You will get that son. I've not forgotten you, Abraham. I am the shield. I am the block against Satan's deceptions and your own fleshy foolishness. I'm the shield of faith, he says. A vibrant 90-year-old lady was asked the secret of her longevity. Now, we've got some old-timers in here. Maybe I'll have a service where you can stand up and tell us how you got to where you're at. But this 90-year-old lady was asked how come she lived such a long life and a good life. And she said, well, when I work, I work hard. When I sleep, I sleep hard. When I sit, I sit hard. And when I get afraid, <laughs> I read my Bible. Don't you like that? When I get afraid, I read my Bible. And from that Bible, I get faith. God reaffirms and reinforces my beliefs that He's going to do what He said He's going to do. And I'm able to go make it another day. You know, when you read God's Word, you'll walk away understanding His presence is always with us. His presence is always with us. The Bible says the Lord came to Abraham. I wonder why he put that in there. Because I think what God is trying to tell you and I is, I came to Abraham, but I also come to you. I was with Abraham, he just didn't know it, and I'm with you too, and you forget that as well. And when I come to you, I will always come to you at your point of need. You're sick, I'm going to come to you as the great physician. You need a savior, I'm going to come to you as the captain of your salvation. You are weak, I'm going to come to you as your strength. You're troubled, I'm going to come to you as the rock of ages. You're lonely, I'm going to come to you as a friend. And Abraham, I'm going to come to you as a promise keeper. Abraham, what I said is what I'm going to do. And by the way, Abraham, you're not alone. I'm here with you. I've always been here with you. I'm just letting you know by speaking to you. So from God's word, we can have the faith to understand the presence of God. Also, the protection of God. Because God once again says to Abraham, I am your what? Your shield. I'm your shield. Stay behind me, Abraham. Stay behind me. If you get out in front of a shield, you're vulnerable. 
If you step around the shield, you're vulnerable. But as long as you stay behind the shield, you're going to be okay. Stay behind me, Abraham. Stay behind me and I'll protect you. I am your presence. I'm with you. I'm your protection. I'll protect you. And I have a purpose in all of this, Abraham. What does it say at the end of verse 15? Fear not, Abraham, because I'm your shield and thy faith, which is not mentioned but implied, thy faith will be thy exceedingly great reward. What was Abraham's reward? It's going back to what God promised him. God said, you're going to have a, a land. A great reward awaits you because of your faith in me. You're going to have a son because of your faith in me. I said it, I'm going to do it, Abraham. Take it to the bank and cash the check. It's good. Wow, isn't this encouraging? To know that in our little piddly lives, where we feel so alone and forgotten, nobody cares. There's a God in heaven who's watching every single step. And when he sees us faltering, when he sees us falling, when he sees us struggling with an issue of life, he quickly comes he speaks to us with a calm voice to fear not. He reminds us that he's our shield. He's going to protect us. He reminds us of his power and his purpose in our life. That what he said is what he's going to do. Abraham, you're going to make it. <laughs> and he did. And child of God, look up here at your pastor. You're going to make it too. You're going to make it too. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Maybe right now some of you are just struggling. By the way, struggles in the Christian life are not a sign of your weakness. It's not a sign of your lack of faith. It's a sign of your humanity.